Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Live by Intuition. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hi everyone, this is Roland. Let's go to the listener call-in line and let's take our first question. This is Greg from San Leandro. My question is this. Did God know that Lucifer would, would tempt Adam and Eve and make him sin? Bye and God bless. Thanks, Greg. Did God know that the devil was going to tempt Adam and Eve and that Adam and Eve would fall? Yeah, he did. He knew. He knew, first of all, that the devil was very, 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 very clever and very tricky, and Adam had no idea what he was getting into. No idea. So, yeah, he knew that would happen. But it was all part of his plan. And what was God's plan? To create love. To create love. You can go around the world And no matter where you go in the world, people talk about love. Love is the most wonderful thing. Well, God created love. And so that was his plan. So how does it work? Here it is. The first thing God had to create was freedom. He had to make freedom. Nothing in the universe has any freedom. The atom has to obey the laws of mathematics and physics and chemistry. The animal is grounded and dependent upon its environment. Everything is programmed. Everything has laws that regulate it. Nothing is free. And so God wanted to create freedom as a first step to creating love. Love is a free thing. How many of you have had a crush on somebody? You wanted them to love you, but they didn't. You can't make it happen. Love is, there has to be free, freedom. So how did God create freedom? He had to make a choice factor. He had to make a choice factor. And that's what he did with the tree in the Garden of Eden. And so now there was a choice. And the devil came along, and he was very clever at making the choice seem, you know, to dream the impossible dream, to be all you can be. Oh, the the devil probably had all the terms that people use now to try to get you to be ambitious and to strive. So Adam went for it. He went for it, and he had his choice. All right, so now what happened? Adam failed. He changed. He lost paradise. So now the human race was a fallen race. And that's all they would know is this fallen state of being. We come into the world inheriting a fallen nature and born to parents without understanding, born into a world with very little freedom and a world with very little understanding and a world with very little love. And that's where we're born. But now, here comes the love aspect. 
some of us yearn for something else. We yearn for truth. We yearn for something that is pure and good. And this pure yearning and this pure need, it becomes need. It is need and it becomes even greater need when we find this love which we are yearning for, which is our Creator, the Father we've never known. And that's really the only love that we can know for our Creator is this need for Him, this yearning for Him. So God create yearning and then love. We can love God. See, we can love ourselves or we can love God. You can love what is right or you can love selfish advantage. See what I mean? You can love the things of the world or you can love principle and truth. See? You have a choice. God gave you a choice. What is the old expression? God wants volunteers, not conscripts. All right, he gave you a choice. So that's what he did. So now do you get it? He created a choice, and thereby freedom. And then in freedom, we can then yearn for God. See, because of our freedom, we fell. We fell into this miserable existence that you see all around you. Then out of this miserable experience and the suffering which softens our soul, we yearn for something else. And then when we find, when we find our Creator, it's the most beautiful thing. God created that. And for that to happen, there had to be unlove. There had to be hate. There had to be selfishness. There had to be suffering so that we would yearn. You see what I mean? So that's what he did. It's beautiful. You're listening to Shedding Shackles, a breath of fresh air on the radio. What is Shedding Shackles? Well, Shedding Shackles has been around for a long time. Been around, this is my 34th year on the air. And I'm dedicated to helping people cope with stress using Christian principles. Christ showed us the way, and I want to help you really hear what he had to say. So yeah, Shedding Shackles, 34 years on the air. Yeah, I'm only on weekends, but it doesn't matter because every one of my programs is a jewel. You got to understand, I don't work for the station. I don't have a big church. I don't get a salary. I buy the airtime and the money I get to buy the airtime is from money that I actually work for. I'm doing this because I'm like a bird and I have to sing. And so I sing and what I say may be helpful to you. In fact, it will be helpful. And I got resources to back it up. I've got a free sitting quietly exercise that you should get. I've written a lot of books. I have over a thousand YouTube lectures. So you gotta listen to this program. If you have any stress issues or any relationship issues, you gotta listen to this program. That's what Shedding Shackles is. Let's take another question on the listener call in line. Greg from San Leandro. How do you teach how can you tell if a preacher has the Holy Spirit in him and God bless? Bye. Well, how do you tell? Someone who's filled with the Spirit. That's a good question. And the answer is, it takes one to know one. You know, there aren't very many. 
So, yeah, people can say something that is inspired. Remember in the Bible, even, was it Saul? Yeah, it was Saul. He turned out not to be a very good guy, but he was actually inspired to say something. So people can be inspired to say something. But, you know, it's probably the thing like Jesus said, you know, you have the Holy Spirit with you, but then he will be in you. So some people, you know, are inspired by the Spirit. How about Albert Einstein? What he, the insights that he was given, the intuitions that he was given, I think it, it had to be revealed. Or how about Sir Isaac Newton? These things are revealed. But then, you know, the inspiration is over. So, yeah, people are inspired to say a little something that happens to be right. I can tell you a story about that, and I think I can use his name because when when I knew him, this was like, oh, 50 years ago, and at that time, he was 50 years old, so I'm sure he's not around anymore. When I used to work for the railroad, we used to sometimes hire uh, private investigators to uh, to help us, and one of them was a man named Arnold Jones. Arnold Jones, and he was real good at taking pictures, accident reconstruction pictures and things like that. So Arnold Jones was just a little guy. He was, Arnold Jones was like maybe, I don't know, five feet tall, five feet two. He was just a little guy. Well, anyway, he was also a private investigator, and, and he told us a story. One time we were having lunch, and he told us a story. He said that that many, many years ago, I mean, this was a long time ago, in the Fillmore District of San Francisco, there there was some things going on. There was a club, and it was uh, basically against the, the, the whatever they were doing. They were selling alcohol or they were gambling, I think, and there was not, it was against the law. And it was on the top floor of a multi-story building. And the only way you could get from the ground floor to that floor. The only way was by an elevator. There was one elevator, and there was no other way. And the elevator, of course, was guarded by big, tough guards. And Mr. Big was up there. Mr. Big, who was in charge of this gambling and illegal empire that he had going. Well, they wanted Arnold Jones to go up there, and uh, I think, I forget what they wanted him to do, to get some pictures or something like that. Nobody had been able to get up there. They wanted to get get pictures. So he pretended he was making a delivery or something, and somehow he got in the elevator, and he got up there, and they caught him. And they took him into the office of Mr. Big. And there was Arnold Jones with a couple of big tufts around beside him and some tufts behind him, and the door was closed. And Mr. Big looked at Arnold and said, you don't think you're going to get out of here alive, do you? And at that moment, I think Arnold Jones was inspired. He said to Mr. Big, he said, what would your mama say if she knew you were beaten up on a little guy like me? And Mr. Big started laughing and laughing and laughing until he had tears in his eyes. And then Mr. Big said, go away, don't ever come back. 
that saved his life. And that was inspired. That had to be inspired. All right. But how about somebody who's often inspired? Well, you don't see a lot of people like that. There's, you know, the old expression is rare as hen's teeth. So who, who can I say that I know that's often inspired? Maybe one person. That's right. I can only, I can only say one person for sure. I'm sure there's others, but only one. And I'm, I'm sure there are some very decent people in the world, some very sweet and noble people who are with their family and they're not called out upon the stage of history. And people don't know them, but they walk in the Spirit. Everything they say is tinged with love. I think the people who are walking in the Spirit who have the Spirit with them or in them. They're quietly doing good wherever they are. And for those that speak, look for someone whose words awaken you, awaken you to what you know in your heart, to what you know is right, to what you've always known deep down. And you see people, you watch them, and you see the little, the subtle trickery, the little ploy, the little temptation, the little twisting of something true. You see it. And you, you just know that they're not to be trusted. Then you see the other people that are ranting and raving and full of emotion. They're trying to get you emotional. And you see all of that. And you just know that, yeah, they may say something true. Yeah, they may quote a scripture verse, and it's true. And you, you hear the scripture verse, and you realize something from it. They don't even know what they're saying themselves, but you understand it. See? Take Shedding Shackles with you wherever you go with Apple Podcasts. Hey, Dad, I have a question. Do you know how many people make New Year's resolutions at the start of the year? At this point in February, a lot of people are having trouble keeping their resolutions. They're starting to realize that despite their best efforts, they won't be able to treat others the way they had hoped for or lose as much weight as they had wanted. If someone's having trouble keeping a New Year's resolution... Should the person do what comes naturally and abandon the resolution? Or should the person double up his or her efforts and keep on trying to make the resolution happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I live day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And in the back of my mind, I always am looking to do what is right or what is wise for the moment. And how do I know? I know it intuitively. You know, the example I always give, I'm walking down the sidewalk and there's a big hole in the sidewalk. I don't have to set any goals. I don't have to make any plans. I don't have to analyze it. I see the hole. I just walk around it. So those of you 
who have been around for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, you know that the way life develops, it's totally different than you ever would have thought. You know, you started off doing one thing and you ended up doing something else. And then that became your life. See what I mean? So how does it have, so classic example, how does boy meet girl? How does that happen? It, it doesn't seem almost possible, but it happens. And I think there's a guiding hand. Remember the beautiful phrase, was it Adam Smith who talked about the unseen hand of God? And incidentally, that's why America was, was so prosperous, has been so prosperous, because it began in wanting to do what is right. It began based on those principles, and there was freedom. And using freedom, people were creative and industrious, and the unseen hand of God was there, and everything prospered. He makes things prosper. It says in the Bible somewhere, it said, God said, I'm the one that gives you wealth. He's the one who gives us everything, including life itself. So I live my life intuition, first, last, and always. Intuition, I follow my intuition. And so how do I know, how do I know whether to go one way or another? In advance, I don't know. But at the moment, when the time is right, I see, and I go one way. And there is no impediment. I take a step, and my conscience, I check with my conscience, and it's okay, and then I take another step, and another step. You see what I mean? And other times, a door opens, and I go through the door, and I go on to success or whatever. You see what I mean? So that's one aspect. You got to live by faith. Christ said, live by faith. So you got to live by faith. And you got to live by intuition, not by planning and scheming and analyzing and setting goals. What is a goal but some exterior thing that somebody gave you? See, when you stop to look carefully at your goals, you heard somebody say something, somebody suggested something, some expert said something. Live by faith. So that's number one. Then the other part of the question was, well, should I try harder? No, see, see, that's the other problem, trying. Life should be effortless. When you're hungry, you eat. Remember the famous, um, um, the, what, what was it? It was, it was, uh, there was a monk, and the monk, was thinking, well, what should I do? Should I do some more prayers? Should I do this? Should I do that? And the monk went to the, to the head, head monk and said, you know, what should I do? And his superior said, did you eat? And the monk said, yes. He said, then wash the dishes. See what I mean? So you got to live. But life should be intuitively and spontaneous, like a little child. Have you ever watched a little child? They do a little this, and then they do a little that, and then they do this, and then they do that. They go from one thing to the other, and they learn at lightning speed. And they're never tired, and they're full of energy. That's the way life should be. See? So if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. If I'm not hungry and I eat, then I figure, what's that all about? 
See what I mean? So if there's something to do, then just do it. Don't resent it. Just do it. And if there's something that, you know, people say you should do, but somehow you just don't feel like it, then don't do it. And if you're somewhere and people are pressuring you to do something, then just do the best you can. And if it's not good enough for them, too bad. Let them be frustrated. And just say, I'm doing the best I can. And if they pressure you to do something that's not right, then just don't do it. See what I mean? You got to be like Alfred E. Newman. Remember from Mad Magazine, he said, what? Me worry? You got to be more like Alfred E. Newman. More like Bugs Bunny. Remember Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam? Yosemite Sam was always getting upset by everything. Upset and angry. And Bugs Bunny was kind of relaxed, chomping on a carrot. What's up, Doc? See what I mean? That's the way you got to be. A Meditation Moment with Jeremiah Trujillo How do people give power to the devil? It's by doing things that are not right. Whatever seduced you, holds you. If you step over the line and do something wrong, you're a member of a gang or the mafia, and they won't let you go. You gave them permission to enter. We humans inherit Adam's nature, so we're naturally gullible and naturally easily misled. Learn to stay in touch with intuition so you can wordlessly know what's right. Find more inspiration for your day at SheddingShackles.com You've got to find your creator. He is your closest relative. He's the one who made thee. And he understands you. But you have fallen away from him. And having fallen away from him, you don't know how to find your way back. If it was very complicated and a lot of study was involved, no one would make it. But it's not complicated at all. It's very simple. You must return to the state that you had before your first fall. And your first fall undoubtedly came when you were a little child. Someone upset you. Someone on the outside stressed you. Or the darkness in them, the evil in them, the what had gone wrong with them in them stressed you. And now you have to see that there was something in your parents and in people that wasn't them. It was driving them. It had control over them. They had moments when they were free of it, but it kept coming back over and over again. And it took many different forms. It was rage in them. It was programming from the past in them where they recreated a scene from their childhood or from earlier in their life, over and over again. It happened to them when they were a child. They got upset, it got inside of them, and then they recreated it in 
your home. It was resentment. It was anger. It was hostility. It was unfinished business. It was something in them that had a will, an ironclad will. And it wouldn't let them admit they're wrong. It wouldn't let them be sorry. It wouldn't let them be free. Now that you're older and you've struggled with such things yourself, you now can forgive them. That is the beginning of your salvation, the beginning of your return to your Creator, is to let go of your grudge against people, against your mom, against your dad, against your brother, against teachers, against cruel people and unjust people and unfair people. And people who did something to you, let it go. Beginning with your parents. Start with your parent. Forgive. Let it go. Make it unimportant. Let go of the grudge, the resentment, the judgment. And go about your life. Now you can forgive them because you see what they were struggling with. They couldn't help themselves any more than you can help yourself. Forgive. Christ taught us the way to deal with other people. He said, forgive. He said, love others as you love yourself. And when you don't hate the other person, when you don't resent them and judge them, then what is in them cannot get to you. See, what is in them wants you to hate the person because people are created in the image and likeness of God, and it's wrong to hate other people. Now you see, it's not the person it's what's in them that's stressing you, and it's also stressing them. So forgive, let it go, stand back, watch the wrong in them without reacting to it anymore. When you were a little child, it upset you. Now just watch, and you'll be safe. Not because I say so, but because Christ came to set us free. He showed us the way. He said, if you love me, then obey my commandments. And his commandments were very simple. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now do you get it? If you get it, if you really, 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 really see it, then get started. And what you can also do is keep listening to this program. Same time, same station usually once a week. And this is a special program, and you got to keep listening to it. My name is Roland. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.